While some Miami football fans may not have been aware that Michigan State has fans, but they sure do know now. Humbled at Hard Rock read the local headlines after Michigan State traveled in force down to South Beach and emerged with an impressive 38-14 win over the 24th-ranked Hurricanes. An impressive victory from which my voice still hasn't recovered. Uh, We will get into the game and look ahead to the Spartans' primetime showdown with Nebraska on episode 48 of MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you a little later than normal on Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. Matt, I spent yesterday traveling back from the Sunshine State, still riding high from a, a fantastic weekend down south. Uh, how was your Florida experience? A lot less memorable than yours. Uh, <laughs> no tailgating, drinking in the parking lot, screaming at the top of my lungs. Uh, that was not a problem. Like a couple of our counterparts, uh, Colton and and Matt Charbonneau, did, I did not have to climb a fence to get out of the stadium. So, um, yeah, I got there, went to a hotel, went to the game, went back to the hotel, went back to the airport, came home. So, yeah. A lot, was a lot of construction going on there at Hard Rock still. Uh, they had kind of a crazy setup getting in and out of the stadium. But yeah, uh, lots of I had some Cuban food, spent some time on the beach. Uh, it was it was great. Great weekend, man. I tell you what, uh, Kyle, I assumed you watched on TV. Uh, tell me, how, how easy was it to hear the Spartan presence at the game? Because it was hype down there at the stadium. I mean, it, it didn't sound like a typical home game um, on TV. I could tell you that. Um uh, you know, it certainly seemed more like kind of a neutral side thing, which I think we expect. I mean, Miami's got fans, but that's a big old stadium. And, you know, I think any time Michigan State go, I mean, I know you travel to it, but I think any time Michigan State goes to a highly populated part of the country, they don't go to very often. Like people turn out, you know, like I remember being in Southern California with a basketball team uh, for one of those holiday tournaments a few years ago. And there's Michigan State fans everywhere. And, you know, if Michigan State doesn't come around very much, it's an event for a lot of so we're not surprised at all to see a good showing there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, it made me think of the Rose bowl. I mean, obviously that's, a, that's a massive game. It doesn't happen all the time, but I mean, you know, there was a good seven, 70% of Spartans in that stadium, even though they're playing Stanford, a team from the same state. So yeah. And I've been to six other bowl games as well. So can definitely uh, vouch for that, that uh, if it's a big game in a cool spot against a cool opponent, uh, Michigan State fans will travel. So uh, I think Miami knows that now. I think Miami knows that now. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but yeah, we're going to get into the game here. If you could please like, rate, interview the podcast, be very much appreciated. So we got a couple more of those. Uh, really, really appreciate that, guys and gals. Uh, helps helps the podcast, helps people find it, helps us connect with future Spartans and current Spartans. Uh, hit us up on Twitter and check out our work at mlive.com slash Spartans uh, with any questions or comments. So uh, appreciate that. But let's get into the game, guys. Like I said, it was great to be down there. Uh, lots of Spartans there. Tailgating was awesome. They were really loud, bringing the energy. Uh, where I was at, it was pretty much Michigan State fans having to encourage Miami fans to stand up on some occasions. Uh, your boy ended up getting a little FaceTime on ABC there after the first fumble. I was told had a bunch of people sending me screenshots of uh, me and my friends going nuts. So an all around great day. Michigan State emerges with the victory. Spartan fans uh, lingering in the stadium after the game as Miami fans flocked for the exits. Um, 
So, uh, uh, Matt, I mean, obviously an impressive win here. Kenneth Walker continues to do his thing. Peyton Thorne plays with a lot of poise, makes some big throws on the way to co-Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week honors, the defense getting some timely turnovers. Um, but a pretty impressive performance down in Miami that uh, has the national media finally talking about Michigan State. Yeah, you know, this is a game that, you know, going into the year, like I said before, it looked like it would be a loss, but the way the first two weeks played out, it obviously was a winnable game. And, and give credit to Michigan State for going down there in what is not the easiest um, environment, not really from a fan perspective, obviously, but from just the heat and the humidity. Um, I, you know, you were there. It was, it was, it was pretty warm, um, really humid. I, and we saw something, you know, the credit to their preparation. Mel talked about this. We knew they'd worked on it for a while when they came out for warmups, they had like, you know, like the padded shirts, things, you know, whatever they call those. So I, and I've never seen this before. They didn't have their, they didn't come out in uniforms until the game was going to, until they took the field for the game. So I've never seen that before. Um, so Interesting um, preparation worked when it came down to it. They outscored Miami 21 to three in the fourth quarter. And that was the difference. Um, Kenneth Walker again, I mean, what to say? I mean, the guy's obviously one of the, one of the better running backs in the nation. Peyton Thorne looked great again, poised. Um, defensively, obviously there's some concerns with the secondary. Um, but I think part of that is maybe, you know, they talked about it, you know, their, their game plan was to make um, D.R. King beat him with, his arm, keep him in the pocket, not let him be a dual threat guy. And, and you know, that was obviously the focus and, and it worked because the difference in the game was four turnovers and King committed all four, you know, the two picks and the two fumbles. And that was really the difference. Huge play late by uh, Drew Beasley to get the strip sack, you know, when it was a seven point or three point game, whatever it was. And then, you know, Michigan state gets a quick touchdown and they pour it on from there. So, you know, obviously some things to, to clean up, like Mel talked about today, but um all in all, def- they definitely came home happy with the performance. And, you know, they get some credit and some attention in, in top 25 team now, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you want to talk about the challenging conditions, right? I mean, one other thing I noticed is Mel didn't send out any of the players until the very – until basically kickoff, other than the captains. Like, I mean, Miami basically had it set up where they're in the shade the whole game, and Mel Tucker out there in his shorts, you know, Michigan State sitting in the sunshine. I mean, that's that's how it is. That's not, a, that's not an accident. I mean, I'm not saying that it's out of bounds or anything, but, um, you know, uh, I saw a tweet. Uh, didn't he say something about how their GPS is? Uh, on the players said that they were moving faster in the fourth quarter than they were in the first player. I mean, Amber Reinstein, their, their uh, head uh, performance dietitian, I think deserves some credit here with her staff and getting this team ready to play in a, in a challenging environment from a weather standpoint, because uh, it was scorching down there. Got a little rain at the end, which was nice. I, I've joked on Twitter that the Spartan fans were being blessed for making the trip down there, but uh, I mean, it was, it was hot. It was really hot. And uh I was impressed with the way the Michigan State dealt with it overall. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that you can really compare the two, but the last time they played a game before this when the kickoff temp was above 80 was Arizona State in, in 18, and that was the opposite that game. They had a, a 10-point lead or whatever it was going in the fourth quarter, and they lost that game as Arizona State pulled away. Um, after that game, of course, the players said the heat wasn't a factor. I wouldn't expect them to, but who knows. Um, and then this week or this past week, yeah, I mean, Give them credit. They were ready. They were the ones that came through late. And, you know, there's a point to be made that this team showed it could do it. The first two games were not they, – they did not need to really make plays in the fourth quarter. 
Northwestern technically made it slightly interesting there, but I don't think that game was ever really in doubt. And then obviously the Youngstown state game wasn't after about 10 minutes. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't think Miami is a, is a, is a great team by any stretch, but they do have a lot of talent and Michigan state went down there and, and came through in the clutch and showed they have guys capable of making plays um, guys that are in new roles, especially guys like Peyton Thorne and Kenneth Walker, and they were able to do it. I was concerned early on because like my, my biggest fear going into the game, like we said, we talked about it with the corners. I mean, a lot of moving parts, there, are new guys. And early on, uh, Derek King was just moving down the field. Charleston Rambo obviously ended up with a massive game here. Actually, I think he set the Miami record, right. For, for Tied catches. It. Tied it, and uh, you know he he had the early touchdown when he was wide open. He was getting loose early on, and Mike Harley also had some juice out there. So I was concerned with the way Miami was spreading him out. That first fumble, I think, was huge. The turnovers really were massive. I mean, Miami had some dumb penalties, as did Michigan State, but Miami really helped Michigan State out at a lot of key points in the game. I thought. And the timely turnovers, I mean, you mentioned the strip sack, the, the early fumble on to give Michigan State some uh, momentum. Angelo Gross and Ronald Williams gets the pick to basically seal the thing. Um, and that was a great play. So uh, the turnovers in the game were massive, I thought. And then I a couple other points here that I want to bring up. But one guy I think, you know, who's been getting some love, you know, Kenneth Walker, obviously, uh, I think pro football focus put it out. He's got uh, – what uh, most missed tackles forced on runs in week three, Kenneth Walker had 20, the next closest guy had 11. So holy yeah. crap. I mean, yeah. some of the runs this guy is doing, it's just incredible to see. Well, as you know, it was different than the first two games. I mean, obviously Northwestern right off the bat, 75 yards, and there's really no slowing him down. And he didn't really have to do much against Youngstown state, but you know, it was, what was it like? get something like 11 or 10 yards on his first five carries combined against Miami. They weren't finding much success up the middle. And, you know, he talked about admitting that, you know, it required some patience and he knew going in, you're going to have to get a few yards here. And as Mel said after the game, a little, a little, a lot, a little, a little, a lot. And then the, a lot came mostly when Walker got out in the open field and, and made guys miss. And yeah, the missed tackles are a reflection of that. He's, he's obviously hard to bring down. Um, and credit to, you know, Jay Johnson, when they weren't finding success early, you know, he switched things up, you know, using screen passes and stuff like that, getting Tyler Hunt, Connor Hayward involved. Um, that's when they really started to move the ball. And then late, you know, with, you know, Peyton Thorne converting that third down with his legs. And then then the fourth and one where they converted on the sneak and then to go right up top and, and go for the kill. That was – there were some things – <laughs> you saw offensively some play calls as we talked about in the press box at the time that don't think you would have seen under the previous um, coaching staff, as far as just some of the aggressiveness and the willingness to, to put the ball in the air and, and not just keep it on the ground and, and try and kill clock and go from there. I mean, Miami was getting after them early, right? There was two sacks on like the first two possessions. And I mean, they were coming. You could tell the Michigan state's line was going to need to adjust. I mean, I don't think they've, between Northwestern and Youngstown State, I don't seem that think they had seen a line with the the type of athletes and ability uh, that were coming at coming from Miami early on in the game, and they were they were coming hard. And then, yeah, like you said, the screens to to Connor Hayward. I think there was two of them, uh, which looked like they could have easily been picked off, but uh, they, he made the catch, and and those were big gainers, and that was a huge adjustment. I mean, Connor Hayward in general, I think, just deserves a lot of credit, and I think we've mentioned him on the pod before. 
obviously switching to H-back tight end. He's filled a massive void. Um, on the last touchdown with Jaden Reed, he's pulling around and basically blocks two guys and allows and creates the alley for Jaden Reed uh, to go into the end zone. I mean, this is a guy who was pretty much Michigan State's starting running back, and and myself and a lot of fans gave him a lot of crap for a long time uh, just because he wasn't a natural runner. I mean, he wasn't a great running back. We saw he had the talent catching the ball, um, but this staff is just using him in a way where he's become a legitimate weapon, not only blocking but also catching the ball in key situations and providing that veteran leadership. So I think he deserves a ton of credit. Yeah, and I don't remember if we talked about this recently because we 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 got talked to Connor. I don't remember if it was after the first game, I think, after Northwestern. But you know, yeah, he basically said, "Look, you know, I I didn't I was never really a running back until I came here. You know, he was that was not his full time position in high school. You know, he was prior to Michigan State, he was more of like a wildcat quarterback. He was a receiver. He played a little bit of everything and became in Michigan State as an athlete. That's just where he ended up. And he admitted that." Yeah, there were some there were some times where running worked, but other times it just didn't, you know. And that, you know, he feels more comfortable in the spot. He feels like it's a better fit for his his skill set. It feels more natural to him. And I think what you've seen is the coaching staff being able to utilize his skill set because he has really good hands. You see his willingness and aggressiveness as a blocker. And they're using him. He's embracing it and it's, and it's paying off a lot more than it would if he was fourth on your running back depth chart, maybe getting a carry here and there, maybe just playing special teams, you know, that they're getting, they're getting a lot more out of him now than I think that he's, but then the program has got out of him previously. Kyle, what are, what are your, what were some of your observations just from watching on TV? I know we just covered a lot of it, but yeah, just kind of the two plays Matt mentioned though, the going for it on fourth down and the touchdown afterwards, you know, those really stood out to me just, you know, not just for the execution, but just for the play calls. Um, and I think we're still learning about the staff in year two and how they're going to, to coach and, and what they're going to do in these um, in these key moments of big games. Because there haven't been a lot, you know, in a short season last year and the way they were. And, you know, you're, you're kind of up against it. And, then, you know, the final score was what it was, but that was a close game with, you know, one touchdown game with four minutes left. So um, I, I, I think that, you know, like you said, there was a um, the previous staff. I'm not sure they go for it on that fourth down. There's a case to be made to punt it away and play defense. And then after you get, I think there's an even bigger case to be made to uh, run some clock and try to get it down to two minutes. But I think it's really, really notable that Mel Tucker said we're going for it. And then by all indications, I mean that was Jay Johnson. I mean, Mel pretty much said afterwards he, you know, he didn't um, ask for a deep shot there. He didn't dial anything up. I mean, that was Jay Johnson being aggressive and saying let's take a shot here. Um, and I think that's, I don't know if, if it's a team I'm rooting for, that's what I want to see. I mean, if they keep doing that, I'm sure it'll backfire at some point, but I think that's going to win you more games than not, um, going out there and kind of taking it and trying to do that. So I think that was certainly notable for me to see. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing with targeting in college football right now? I mean, like, Chuck Brantley gets kicked out. His his family was sitting right around me. I at least I assume it's his family. They're all wearing Chuck Brantley jerseys, and I, he's from Florida, so it makes sense for him to have a big contingent there. They looked furious about it. Um, Angelo Gross almost gets kicked out on the on the hit in the touchdown. I'm glad they picked that one up, but we saw a play in the Auburn Penn State game where a guy's basically falling down trying to keep a guy out of the end zone. The Ole Miss Louisville game had a couple brutal targeting calls in week one. I mean, 
I know what they're trying to do with this rule, but like to just kick kids out of big games feels a little bit harsh to me. Like, I feel like there should be like tiers of targeting or something. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> it's, I mean, that's a tough one. Like, obviously they're trying to emphasize player safety, the helmet to helmet contact is, is, has been a huge point of emphasis. We've seen, I mean, targeting is nothing new, the way they've legislated it and the way it's called, I don't know. Like, it seems like every time there's a targeting call or practically every time you're like, you think, well, there's no way that's targeting and it is, or you say that's definitely targeting and they pick it up. So I don't pretend to know it's tough. It's a tough situation to be in. Um, the referees are just trying to do what they're told to do points of emphasis and, and I mean, stuff like that. So um, sucks for Chuck. Um, that's two, that was two <laughs> weeks in a row. He got, he got called for targeting. He got picked up last uh, the week before. Um, he's now going to have to miss the first half of the Nebraska game. And let's be honest, there were times where it looked like he, I mean, he was getting heavy reps on Saturday. Like he, you know, was he going to come off the field at that point in time? Or were they going to go? Yeah. They put on Rambo for a while, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so obviously, it, you know, as Mel said during practice, when we were watching in August, uh, give Chuck a chance. They're, they're giving Chuck a chance. And, you know, you see a true freshman out there who, Xavier Henderson at Big Ten Media Days, I think, joked that he was 160 pounds soaking wet. Um, he didn't get here until this summer, and he's out there in the mix, you know, competing in front or, or alongside, the, you know, Ronald Williams, you know, a guy from Alabama, and, and you know, Chester Kimbrough was out there plenty. You saw Gervin, obviously. It's really looking like those four, and they're going to go with them. And, yeah, a lot to clean up there. Um, but, you know, we, we, knew this, we knew it was going to be interesting at cornerback. Um, going in from what happened in the offseason, and, and this is a product of it. And they're throwing the guys in the mix and seeing who can play, seeing who can't. And and uh, Chuck showed enough on Saturday for them to have some faith in him. Did Did you end up finding a, a TV that had ABC on it? I saw your tweet there. <laughs> yeah, um, it eventually did. I went to turn it on. It was about eight thirty. I was like, oh, I'm at the hotel at my, in my hotel room working, obviously, and just wanted to put on a game in the background. And for some reason, the channel was there, but it just like would not go to it. It was like it didn't huh. exist. It would just skip over it. So after getting way too frustrated, I turned the TV off, gave it an hour or whatever, turned it back on, and was able to watch that. And complaining about penalties, at least Michigan State didn't get a down taken away from them. So, <laughs> Yeah, my, true. My, my, my favorite along those lines is still covering the Big Ten tournament and not having Big Ten Network in my hotel room, oh, yeah. like right next to the <laughs> Oh, jeez. That's, that's still been my favorite. <laughs> Where, we, which, city, we, which city was that? Was that when you're in uh, DC? DC, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I figured you got to get the <laughs> oh, East Coast TV market with Maryland. Yeah, you know? yeah. Gosh, <laughs> ridiculous. Maybe that's a sign for the Big Ten. If you can't even get your own channel in the in the market, maybe we shouldn't be <laughs> playing the conference tournament there. Uh, but yeah, I was at the Stadium Hotel right there next to the stadium in Miami Garden, so I could see the the stadium right from there all night and uh bill's mafia was there as well you know hanging out so a lot of spartans and bill's fans mixing uh in the hotel room and uh we did a little cheers you know there because uh both coming away from miami with a victory tough weekend for miami football fans uh but what are you gonna do you know there's another week again coming uh it was fun to see though 20th sound about right for michigan state with the ranking yeah i mean i don't think northwestern's any good um, I don't they think lost Miami, the Duke, so yes, definitely not. Yeah, I don't think Miami is is very good, but I mean, you got, I mean, you got to give credit to Michigan State. You know, this is especially offensively. If they were winning these games twenty to thirteen or twenty to, you know, I don't think you would see the 
the national buzz that is kind of picking up for them. It's the fact that this offense looks absolutely nothing like it did in previous years. You got Peyton Thorne throwing for four touchdowns in back-to-back games, nine touchdowns, zero picks. Kenneth Walker leading the nation in rushing. Um, The explosive plays, some of the play calling we saw, you do that and you get people's attention. I think that's a big part of it. I think that's a big reason why there's some some excitement from the fan base is because – I'm not going to say it. I shouldn't swear too much, but they can, they can actually score. Oh my God. It's a, it's like a miracle. They have, they put points on the board. I mean, granted on Saturday, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was a lot late, but you know, this 39.3 points a game is, is this is my fifth season covering. This is not something I'm used to doing. So mm-hmm. yeah. And you had a lot of eyeballs on this game too. You know, noon window on ABC, Goodyear blimp was there. Uh, you know, it was going up again. I think Oklahoma, Nebraska was on at the same time, Cincinnati, Indiana. So there were other games going on, but, uh, I think a lot of people were tuned into this game because it was one of those crossed cross sectional matchups that, uh, drew some things here. So, uh, big the win Alliance. Yeah. The Alliance, baby. Let's go. We love that Alliance. <laughs> um, but we'll get to the Nebraska, uh, game in a second here. Also got some, uh, some brief basketball news. But guys, Tuck coming. It's spreading like wildfire, man. It's uh, it, This came up uh, in the press conference today. It was people were yelling it all over the place down in Miami. I mean, you couldn't go 30 seconds without hearing someone yell it, uh, particularly before and after the game when Michigan State fans, they were we were kind of all in the same corner of the stadium, and so we kind of all left and, and came at the same time in just kind of like this big green and white blob. And it was go green, go white chance the whole way as we crossed like through these tunnels and overpasses to get to the stadium from the Michigan State tailgate, tailgate lot. Tuck coming chance. We're literally constant. I don't know which one of you guys asked Mel about this today, but uh, do we need to define what tuck coming actually means? Because the head coach doesn't even know. Uh, it was Charbonneau who asked him about it. Um, yeah, Mel gave a funny response. He said he liked it but he didn't really understand what it means and said joked about well we've got a schedule so god God willing i'll be there so i mean i think he knows what it means it's just i mean it's well well, isn't it from the wire (laughs) no No. what i mean so the omar you guys don't want yes if you, Omar. Haven't, okay. if you haven't seen the wire, the Omar character, you know, guy with oh, a shotgun, right. very scary. When he's wire, coming, yeah. the kids yell, Omar, I'm more for listening. Oh, yeah. Omar yeah. coming. I mean, yeah, that's they what they say. That. So my yeah. point is that a and, and listen, Mel is nonviolent as far as we know, not comparing him to the guy who walks around <laughs> with a shotgun. But um, the point is, that, I mean, I think it's, you know, Mel Tucker's coming. You should be a little worried, you know, right? Because, you know, a because, you know. Um, he's going to feel the team that's going to come, you know, be physical for you. But also, you know, Mel, you know, Matt and I have stood near him. He's not a guy I'd like to run into in a dark alley in the middle of the night. You know, <laughs> he, he's got some size. He looks like he stays in shape. Um, uh, so I think it fits him like personally too. Like, I don't think anybody's saying Paul Christ coming, you know, you're reason that. <laughs> Um, Mac Brown coming. Yeah, Mac <laughs> Brown coming. That's not happening. Um, I mean, he, he's a guy you don't that you don't want to run into um, in the wrong circumstance. I think it also could relate to like the fact that, you know, Michigan state has been down right the last few years and they've, they haven't been really been a program that's been on the national map or even really the big, a big 10 factor. So I think it's sort of like symbolic of the whole program in general, like Michigan state here, they come again, remember us college football playoff Rose bowl contender, like Michigan state here, they come again. And that's led by Mel Tucker, obviously. So it's, you know, tuck coming. 
Yeah, I just think it's supposed to mean that he's bringing the program back up and, and that's it. I honestly, you know, I, I'm a, I think The Wire is the greatest show of all time. I watch it whenever I can, despite my wife's desire not to watch it because <laughs> it took me three years to get her to watch the whole series. Um, but uh, I, I don't know that I ever even made that connection. And Omar is the, probably the, my favorite character in TV history. Um, He's amazing. Hard to I'm three, episode, three, three episodes into season three of The Wire, so no okay. spoilers here. Yeah, I know. R.I.P. He died like a week ago. Yep. Yes, Michael K. Williams. Michael yeah. K. Williams. Yeah, mm-hmm. pour one out for him. Great actor. So, uh, all right, well, let's steer it back from the <laughs> wire here, uh, back into Michigan State news. But I, I, I really appreciate those uh, film digressions. But uh, all right, Nebraska's coming. We'll talk to them in a second, or talk about them in a second. But first, some brief basketball news: Michigan State getting a commitment, as if the weekend wasn't already great for Spartan fans down in South Florida. Uh, Jackson Kohler, four-star power forward, commits to Michigan State. Uh, we knew that he was uh, interested because, you know, he was uh, on campus a couple weekends ago. This was a late offer, offer after uh, a lot of Michigan State's other targets committed elsewhere, but listed at 6'9", 250, 247 as the 67th best player in the country. Four-star kid. Everything I see has a great post game. Um, but Michigan State finally – it took a while, Kyle, but Michigan State – Gets their big man for the class of 22. And I know you just uh, talked to him recently as well. So good get here, I think. Yeah. And, and I can confirm that. I mean, he, um, it didn't sound like they had to do a whole lot of work to get him. You know, he, um, um, they really, um, early September when they really started putting the heat on him. I, I think we mentioned before on the podcast, he went out and this kind of showcase game out West, uh, Pango's camp, put up 53 and 23. And he said pretty much the next day, Michigan State just put the full court press on him. But um, he didn't need much convincing. He said he was super excited as soon as he heard from Michigan State, um, knew all about the history, was, was really, really wanted to hear from Tom Izzo, um, wanted to get on campus immediately. And it happened to be that they were having the reunion weekend. So he gets up here quickly, you know, hangs out with Draymond, was, was blown away by that. And I think it was pretty much a done deal uh, right after that. So Happened really quickly. Um, and, you know, I have to say, you know, as you mentioned, he wasn't plan A. I mean, I think we can say that, um, you know, they missed out on, you know, Isaac Trout and Terrace Reed and Jalen Washington and some other big guys. But as far as him being like a second option, like he, he seems better than a lot of other, you know, second options that they've had in the past. You know, like if, if the number 67 kid in the country is your plan D, then, you know, you're doing pretty well. Um, because I think he's, he could, he could be a pretty good player. I mean, he's got, he's very advanced as far as like post moves for someone his age. Um, you know, uh, really, really good with footwork around the basket, uh, back to the basket, uh, talked about, you know, studying Hakeem Olajuwon growing up and, you know, uh, writing it all in a notebook. So I, I think he's a pretty detailed and cerebral kid. Um, you know, the, the, the negative would be, you know, kind of the athleticism. You know, I don't think he's going to jump out of the gym, be a big, you know, um, rim protector type of guy. So um, he'll have to, um, you know, they'll have to figure that out. But, you know, I think he's got a lot of potential and um, uh, we'll see. But I, I think a pretty good pickup considering where they were, um, you know, a month ago or really kind of seeming, you know, dead in the water um, in that, that position. Yeah, I mean, he's had offers from, you know, Iowa, Nebraska, USC, Illinois, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech. You know, he's at Washington, Utah. He's had a lot of big power five offers out there for a long time. And I think it says a lot about 
Michigan State's program, and I was reading some of his quotes and stories, and I'm sure he said similar things to you just about um, the family atmosphere, uh, how everyone buys in, how everyone's super competitive and aggressive, but still love each other at the same time. Um, it seemed like, I think it says a lot about the program that this kid can come visit one time for one weekend. Obviously, it was a great weekend to have him on campus, but and, and Michigan State can just fly to the top of his board like that. Uh, it says a lot about Tom Izzo in the program. Well, I'll, I'll read you a quote here, a uh, story on MLive.com slash Spartans on uh, Wednesday morning to get my plug in there. But uh, he said, he, this is before, he said when they called him, he said, quote, I got super, super excited. It was crazy to think that, holy crap, these guys called me. So it was a blessing. Like, like the fact that like they picked up the phone and called him, like blew him away. So um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a testament to what Tom has done. Kids from Utah too, you know, um, not exactly the, the typical recruiting ground. So um, I, I think a testament to, you know, the, the brand that Tom Israel built that, a, you know, a kid from the other side of the country can be so blown away by um, them wanting to recruit him. Um, and then, you know, I, I think they made a lot in the last couple of years about really focusing on guys who want to be there and not, you know, going all out for a kid who's kind of on the fence, you know, um, <laughs> maybe ranked a little bit higher. Um, I know waffling you flakes. As we like yes, to call no them. waffling flakes. <laughs> Um, but focusing on guys who may be a little lower rank, but are really excited about coming to Michigan State and being part of the program. And I think that's maybe a little bit of shift in the last couple of years. And I, and I think Jackson Kohler fits into that because still highly ranked, still a top 70 kid, could end up being a very good player. But also, um, I think they're going to call him once time is you can talk about him. I think they're going to call him our kind of guy um, and a guy who really, really wants to be there. And I think that's kind of what they're looking for right now. As far as other recruits out there, we're basically down to Ty Rogers, the grand blank kid, I think, um, who was also on campus uh, recently and, and Michigan State. You know, at one point I thought they had no shot at him. He seemed like a Michigan guy or maybe out of state. But uh, it seems like that possibility is increasing more and more in recent weeks. I mean, there's he's got offers from a lot of places, so obviously no guarantees here. But uh, for a class that Michigan State fans were concerned about for a while, if you get Ty Rogers to commit, you got three, four stars. Um, I mean, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, I know that we were concerned for a while, but I think, I think right now they're at like the 37th, uh, ranked class, but it's part of that is because of two, four, seven, they only have two players having more players affects that ranking. So if you added Ty Rogers to this class, all of a sudden you're looking at a really strong threesome to add to what already appears to be a very strong core. Yeah, it, it's not going to be the flashiest class. You know, it's not going to be the the 16 class or the, you know, Jaron Jackson class. Um, but I think it's a solid guy. I think all these guys project as multi-year guys, which I think you have to think about more these days with how quickly rosters are turning over and, and how many guys are looking to go to the NBA soon. I, I think guys that are likely going to stick around for three, four years, maybe have a little bit more value. So I think it, it's good in that respect. Um, and yeah, I mean, two, four stars. I mean, if you got the upperclassmen that can, um, they can get the job done and kind of let these guys settle in. Um, I think you can get back to kind of, um, you know, letting guys ease their way in and, and, and contribute more. Um, not to say that either of these guys can't be major contributors as freshmen, but you'd, you'd hope you don't need it. Um, and yeah, they're, they're at 11 now for that class, total scholarship players. Um, I, I think they're, you know, I, I think you get Ty Rogers, you're good. If not, I think 11's fine, you know, to go into the season. Tommy just kind of said that's, you know, he he's fine being there in the, in the transfer portal era when it's easy to go pick up a guy if you need it. So um, I think they're in a good spot. Um, sounds like they're in on Ty Rogers. Um, and if not, you know, they're, they're I don't think they have any huge needs now anymore. Cool. 
Well, let's move on to uh, the Nebraska game. Obviously a big game here for Michigan State from a football standpoint to, to keep things going. Uh, they're coached by Scott Frost. He's in his fourth season. He's 33 and 29. Very much on the hot seat, I'd say, considering how things have gone in Nebraska uh, lately. Nebraska's two and two. Uh, they have losses to Illinois and Oklahoma. I think they beat, what was it, Howard and Buffalo, I think is who they Ford, beat. Fordham and Buffalo, yes. Fordham. Fordham and Buffalo. Somebody else played Howard in the Big Maryland. Ten, I think. Maryland. Okay, yep. Um, and so this game's at 7 p.m. It's on Fox Sports 1. Uh, I saw the line start at minus three. I think it's up to four and a half now for Michigan State. Uh, and the over-under is 51 and a half. Nebraska leads the all-time series nine to two. Obviously, they've played more recently with Nebraska coming over to the Big Ten. Uh, last meeting was in 2018. It was in Lincoln. It was a 9-6 game on a – I think it was like sleeting sideways uh, during that game. It was just game. snow. It was <laughs> yeah. just straight snow. It was freezing. That day <laughs> yeah. sucked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 2015, uh, obviously a game Michigan State fans will remember. Nebraska wins 39-38. I think that was Michigan State's only loss on the season until the college football playoff. Obviously, they still got there, but that was the one when the the receiver may or may not have, he did, step out of bounds. And State fans love to bring it up. They're complaining about that. They still do to this day. Nebraska hasn't been to East Lansing since a primetime game in 14, won 27-22 by Michigan State. It's a stripe the stadium game. Uh, when you look at Nebraska, it's going to start with Adrian Martinez, who I feel like the quarterback who's been there, like, it feels like he's been there like six years at this point. Uh, but I mean, how, how do you size this one up, Matt? Yeah. I mean, this is a, you know, when you, when you open with the loss at Illinois with, I mean, that was <laughs> with Scott Frost already on the hot seat, that looked like, oh. but you know, give him credit. You know, you win a couple of games you're supposed to win. And then you really, I mean, you stuck with. Oklahoma on the road, I think everybody thought they were, you know, coming off of week one, thought that was game was just going to be a massacre, and it wasn't. So, and you look at the, the point spread, so, I mean, apparently Vegas thinks that these two teams are close, and um, I don't expect Michigan State to just roll over them on Saturday by any means. Um, you know, it's a team that can come in East Lansing and win. Uh, yeah, starts with Martinez, and again, it feels like he's been there a lot longer than he has. This is only his fourth year, but, you know, when you get when you start as a freshman – you know, everything makes you feel like you've been there forever. So, you know, they, I don't know. I, I, if Michigan State can contain him, I, you know, I think they win the game. It's, you know, oversimplified plot. But, um, you know, it's a team that, you know, basically is pretty desperate to win. You know, they had uh, their press conference yesterday and they spanned about two hours. <laughs> so uh, I got to hear from a number of the, the players and Scott Frost and, uh, you know, one of their linebackers, Garrett Nelson, said basically, well, time to get over the hump. Everybody knows it. You know, he's talking about how the coaching staff, you know, always come in and say, you know, we're this close, we're this close. And he said that just pisses him off to hear it now. And he's sick of it. And, you know, it's time to do it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if they can go on their own and beat Michigan State, you know, that would be, you know, obviously a sign of progress for them and a step back for Michigan State. Um, they have some issues health-wise, obviously, with um, there, uh, he started, I think two of the four games this year, Gabe Irvin, he is out with a knee injury and definitely, so he definitely won't be playing this Saturday. Um, they've got some options there. They have some kicking issues too. Their, um, their kicker, I think was the Connor Culpus. I believe he was the big 10 kicker of the year last year. He is struggling. So something to watch if the game gets close. Um, yeah, no, I mean, as a team that's, that that really wants – they need a win, and Michigan State is a team that's riding a high, so interesting kind of cross-section. And, and Mel today went to length talking about 
you know, asked about uh, how they handle success. And he said he talked to the team yesterday morning and said, how's three and nine sound? So he, he went on to say that, you know, he, he doesn't between what, when they review film from a game and then they, you know, pick out what needs to be made between the corrections that need to be make, made and preparation for the opponent. He says he just doesn't, you know, there's, there's absolutely no room for complacency. He said he thought just the notion of that was insanity to him. So Mel obviously doesn't strike you as a guy who's going to um, allow that. Uh, he's going to, he's going to push it and hammer it. So um, I would expect him to do everything to get this team prepared. And Mel was really fired up uh, today about the, prospects of what Spartan stadium will look like Saturday night um, with it being a night game with it being their first, I mean, it's not the home opener, but it's not Youngstown state. So you bring in a, you know, power five program. It's not Nebraska of the Tom Osborne era or anything, but um, yeah, he was, he was looking for, he's doing everything he can to get um, the fan base excited and try and bring them to uh, Spartan stadium. He said to want, he, is expecting it to be deafening on third down for for the Cornhuskers on Saturday. It's not Spartan Stadium, Matt. It's the woodshed. Remember, <laughs> what, what Mel's all about this woodshed thing. I, I'm kind of on the fence with it. I don't I don't know how I feel about this. I know it's I got not, roots from like 2000 or whatever, but I don't know. I will not be referring to it personally as the woodshed. I don't. It's not my place to make those nicknames. If Mel and the players want to say it, by all means, they can say whatever the hell they want. That's fine with I, them. But I, I like player-initiated nicknames more than like marketing department ones or social media ones. So I like it for that reason. But it, but it's I don't know. It doesn't do much for me other than that. It's kind of got like John Gruden trying to call the Raiders Stadium the Death Star vibes. Like, <laughs> although I think that's actually a cool nickname for that stadium. But uh, I don't know. Like, whatever. If Mel wants to call it the Woodshed, I'll call it the Woodshed. I don't care. Whatever. The guy's the guy can do whatever the heck he wants at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but you know, whatever. I mean, as far as names to know for Nebraska, we mentioned Adrian Martinez. He's got over a thousand yards passing. Granted, they've played one more game. He's their leading rusher with 51 carries for 290 yards. Marquis Stepp, the USC transfer, is probably the guy who's going to pick up the slack with uh, with Irvin out. Leading receiver, Samari Torre. He's got 16 catches for 333 yards and two touchdowns. Um, so those are probably the guys you're going to want to look for, uh, mostly on um, uh, when, the, when the Spartans are on defense. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Connor Culp is three for eight on field goals. Like, that's not what you want going into a big road game, uh, which has a four, like a four point spread. I mean, that's, that basically tells you it could come down to a, uh, a field goal. So yeah, that would be concerning. He's one for six in the last two games. And he had a PAT blocked and returned for two uh, at Oklahoma last week. So, and yes, this was the big 10 kicker of the year in 2020. So um, that's a concern. I would say um, players and Scott Frost talked about it yesterday, basically saying, you know, what happens, everybody goes through a slump, they got his back. And, and then um, Scott went on to say, you know, that said, you know, it'll be a competition at the position like everybody else. And we're going to play who we think is us the best chance to win, yada, yada, yada. Um, but Michigan State, you know, Matt Coughlin, he missed a, what was it, 39 yarder on yeah. uh, at Miami. So, um, yeah, and then Miami's know, kicker said, hold my beer and yeah, missed like a 19 yarder. He was like 20, 23 or 27. And then and he then makes he a 55. A 55. Yeah. yeah. So, 
I mean, well, I got chirped. Fair, I got chirped hard uh, after that one because I was like, "This guy can't even make an extra point. How's he going to make this?" And yeah. some Miami fans in front of me turned around and said, "What were you saying?" <laughs> I'm like, yeah. "Scoreboard." But to whatever. be to be fair, two of Coglin's um, three misses this year for were from 50 yards or more. So I think one was 50, and one was like like 60 at Northwestern or something like that. And yeah, didn't quite it was into the half, that one. wasn't it? Yeah, I, I yeah. yeah, going into the half, I I thought you had a better shot at just throwing the ball at the end zone, but. Eh, whatever. Huh. Doesn't matter. All right. Have you had a chance to think of a prediction? I'm going to ask actually, you this every week. So I actually did. Well, think. I, Kyle sends out the Big Ten picks every uh, Tuesday morning, and I'm trying my best not to be one of the procrastinators on our sports team. I, I so. appreciate that. The the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Michigan beat, uh, putting them on blast there. <laughs> oh, slander at the at the rival <laughs> podcast i like it come on guys what are we doing here it's so, man yeah so i put together my picks in about 40 seconds every uh tuesday morning just to get it out of the way um i spend zero time looking into the game so that'll explain why i don't have a great record but anyways uh, i picked michigan state to win 31 20 kyle uh I mean, I, I, I like them by, you know, about a touchdown too. I, I think it's, you know, I, I know they put out a, a three-point line on Sunday and every Michigan State fan was totally up in arms about it. But, you know, I, I think Vegas looks at who Michigan State's played and, like, it's no fault of Michigan State, but, you know, Northwestern's clearly not very good. And, like, I think we've got some evidence that, you know, Miami's not as good as we thought. So I, I think, you know, the jury's still out a little bit and, North, and Nebraska's still – just play with a pretty good Oklahoma team, at least uh, what we think is a pretty good Oklahoma team. So I, um, you know, I would take Michigan state uh, by the field goal to kind of just go along with Vegas 34, 31. Uh, I think it's going to be closer than, than people think though. I got the Spartans 27, 21, and uh, we won't talk about the picks last week uh, as only one of us had faith that the Spartans would head down there and, and get the W, but uh, that's fine. That's fine. I'll be there. When when you, when you pick against Michigan state and you're right, then I will give you credit, Brandon, but not, not not until then. Michigan state, Miami Saturday, Michigan state or Michigan state, Alabama Saturday. Who you got? (laughs) <laughs> oh come on man hey bama you know struggled a little bit with florida no yeah. come on man like, <laughs> just l- look at nebraska they should beat nebraska nebraska's not good I agree. I, so i like, agree they should know, beat them yeah, yeah. so well, let's I just wait till those games on the second half of the schedule and i'll have to be a little bit more you know uh walking the line there but man if it's if it's you know i'm going sparty right here come on let's go which by the way they say sparty like a hundred times on the abc broadcast i feel like it started as like this derogatory thing but now people are sort of starting to embrace the whole sparty thing which whatever it's our mascot i guess it's fine but i don't know why espn in particular overuses it a little bit i think um so just what something I noticed watching the extended highlights, but I, uh, I, I tweeted it once and like everybody, like every follower of mine was yelling at me immediately. This is like early mm-hmm. when I was covering this and I had no idea it was like derogatory, but it seems a little less derogatory now. I, what, I feel what, like what, the, the opinion has changed where it went from like, oh, this is like a little brother, like, oh, look at cute little Sparty doing something good thing to where now it's sort of like it sort of feeds into the chip. You know, like, oh, here they come. You're Sparty. Look at what they're doing. It's amazing. So I, I feel like opinion has started to shift a little bit there. Um, but still, like, they're the Spartans. Sparty's our mascot. Like, it's not that hard to just say Spartans. So we've done Tuck Cumming, The Woodshed, and Sparty <laughs> on this podcast. We've broken <laughs> yeah. down a lot of nicknames and phrases. Uh-huh. Transition. I can't, 
I can get into deep water if you guys have uh, half an <laughs> yes. hour. Yes. What I, think a Mel, I think Mel gave a six minute answer on, on deep water today. So that got a lot of, we, we can, too. we can, we can save that for later. I, don't know, yeah, I agree. Anything. We got time for that. Um, but you know, we're, we're into all the aspects of Michigan state here. We want to talk about the culture too. I think, I think that people enjoy that stuff. So, uh, let's see. I think that's good. We're running long here. I think that's a good episode. Uh, we'll look forward to the game. It's striped the stadium. That always looks pretty cool at night, uh, at the stadium with the green and white there. Um, so it'll be a cool atmosphere. Uh, we'll all be there. It'll be fun. Uh, Matt and Kyle will be working. I'll be, you know, doing my thing per usual, uh, but looking very much forward to it. We appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, again, please like, rate, and review the podcast if you can. Check out our work on MLive.com slash Spartans. I think there's a new, uh, you guys just posted stories, like, what, right before we started recording, right? Or you did, at least, Matt. Yeah, yeah. I just had something up on Mel talking about not getting complacent. All right, cool. You well, go. you can go check that out. You can hit us up on Twitter for future episodes. Uh, 7 o'clock at Spartan Stadium. Uh, We appreciate everyone for listening. And until next time, go Green!